1: Hello, and welcome back to It Could Happen Here. You are listening to Shireen and our last installment of our Little Libya series. We're just going to jump right back in. Our last episode ended off in 2014 in Libya when the UN Security General Ban Ki-moon visited Libya to continue UN broker talks between the new parliament that was assigned and the government base in Tobruk and the Islamist Libya Dawn militias that were holding Tripoli. At this time, the UN says that hundreds of thousands of civilians have been displaced by clashes. The Islamic State extremist militia then seizes control of the port of Derna in eastern Libya. In January of 2015, the Libyan army and Tripoli-based militia alliance declare a partial ceasefire after UN-sponsored talks in Geneva. In February of 2015, Egyptian jets bomb Islamic State targets in Derna, a day after the group there released a video showing the beheading of 21 Egyptian Christians. The Libyan army offensive to retake Derna in March of that year fails to dislodge the group. The Islamic State establishes control over the port city of Sirta, which is halfway along the coast between Tripoli and Benghazi. In July of 2015, a Tripoli court sentences Gaddafi's son, Sayyaf al-Islam, and eight other former officials to death for the crimes committed during the 2011 uprising against his father. He is later freed by an armed group. In January of 2016, the UN announces a new Tunisia-based interim government, but neither Tobruk nor Tripoli parliaments agree to recognize its authority. Libyan politician Fayez al-Sarraj is now the chairman of the Presidential Council of Libya and prime minister of the Government of National Accord. The Islamic State group attacks Ras Lanouf oil terminal and threatens to move on to Brega and Tobruk. In September of 2016, the Libyan National Army of Khalifa Haftar, who was described as a renegade general, seizes key oil export terminals in East Libya. Haftad is a Libyan-American politician, military officer, and the commander of the Tobruk-based Libyan National Army. A year and a half prior, on March 2, 2015, he was appointed commander of the armed forces loyal to the elected legislative body, the Libyan House of Representatives. In December of 2016, pro-government forces oust Islamic state militants from the coastal town of Sirta, which they had seized 18 months previously. In July 2017, the Islamic State is ejected from Benghazi after three years of fighting. A year later, in July 2018, Khalifa Haftar claims that his forces are fully in control of Durna, the last Islamic stronghold in the East and the only city in the region thus far outside his control. In April of 2019, the Haftar Libyan National Army advances on Tripoli, sparking clashes with the forces of the internationally recognized Government of National Accord. In June of 2020, the UN-backed government drives Haftar forces out of Tarhuna, which was their last stronghold in the west of the country near Tripoli. At this point, Fayez el-Saraj had been Prime Minister of the Government of National Accord since its installment in 2015 as part of a UN-led political agreement. Fighting was occurring between Saraj loyalists and those who opposed him, and Saraj stated that he would be stepping down from his position by the end of October of 2020. This came after a month of protests in Tripoli. On October 31st of 2020, however, El Sarraj rescinded his decision to resign, but after the Libyan Political Dialogue Forum, he transferred his powers on March 15th of 2021. So in March of 2021, Abdul Hamid al-Dabiba took over as Prime Minister of the GNA, the UN-backed Government of National Accord, in Tripoli. In the Libyan Political Dialogue Forum procedure for choosing a unified executive authority to lead into the December 21 Libyan general election, Mohammed Al-Manfi ran on a joint ticket with Abdul Hamid Abiba as Prime Minister and Musa al khoni and Abdullah Al-Lafi as members of the Presidential Council. Al-Manfi serves as head of state. Human Rights Watch reported that hundreds of residents in the Libyan town of Tarhuna were abducted or reported missing between 2014 and 2020 after the local Al-Khani militia, known as the Kanayat, took control of the town in 2015. Residents reported that the militia often abducted, detained, tortured, killed, and disappeared people who opposed them or were suspected of doing so. Some said that the militia also seized private property and stole their money. After the armed conflict in June of 2020, there was a discovery of mass graves in the town of Tarhuna. Libyan authorities said they had retrieved more than 200 bodies from more than 555 mass graves as of October of last year. Additionally, as of October of last year, the International Organization for Migration, the IOM, estimated there were almost 400,000 internally displaced people in Libya, including 300,000 people displaced since the beginning of the April 2019 conflict in Tripoli and the surrounding areas. The displaced include many of the 48,000 former residents of the town of Tawarqa, who in 2011 were driven out by armed groups predominantly from Misrata because of their support for the former Gaddafi government. Despite reconciliation agreements with Misrata authorities, they have been deterred from returning by the massive and deliberate destruction of the town and its infrastructure between 2011 and 2017, predominantly by militias from Misrata and the scarcity of public services by the GNA. To describe the election process uh, in Libya as a clusterfuck would be an understatement. And as far as the most recent election or the attempt for the most recent election in 2021, various postponements have resulted from disputes about fundamental rules governing the election, including the voting timetable, the eligibility of the main candidates, and the eventual powers of the next president and the parliament. So registration for the presidential candidates opened on November 7th of last year and lasted until November 22nd. In this time, several people registered their candidacy, including Saif al-Aslam Gaddafi, the son of the former Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi, Khalifa Haftar, the commander of the Libyan National Army, Arif Naid, the chairman of the Ihla Libya Party, and the current Prime Minister Abdul Hamid Dbeibeh. These men all registered their candidacy in November of last year, and in total, 96 men and two women registered as candidates. A preliminary list of 73 presidential candidates was released by the HNEC, the High National Election Commission, on November 24th. 25 candidates were disqualified from the election, including Saif al-Islam Gaddafi and a bunch of others that I'm not going to say their names because I haven't said them yet, and you don't need to know. But ultimately, Gaddafi and a bunch of other people were disqualified under Article Ten Seven of the electoral law for having been convicted of a crime. Gaddafi was also disqualified under Article Seventeen Five for not providing a certificate showing a clean criminal record. Another candidate, Zaydan, was disqualified under Article Ten Two for having more than one nationality and under Article Eleven for not having five thousand supporters. According to the electoral law, any appeals against the disqualifications are to be decided by the judiciary. On November 28, the Tripoli Appeals Court rejected the candidacy of current Prime Minister Hamid Dibayba after accepting two appeals against his bid. The first appeal was filed by three presidential candidates as well as two Libyan Political Dialogue forum members, while the second appeal was filed by presidential candidate Fatih Basharha. On November 30th, Libyan Field Marshal, aka Renegade General Khalifa Haftad, was disqualified from the presidential election after the Zawiya Court of First Instance accepted an appeal against his candidacy. On December 1st, four candidates were disqualified by the HNEC, including Debaiba, De and uh, they were placed back on the ballot by the Tripoli Court of National Appeal. On December 2nd, Saif al Islam Gaddafi was placed back on the ballot after the Sabha Court of Appeal accepted his appeal against his disqualification from the list of candidates. See clusterfuck understatement. And then, on December 6th, Khalifa Haftad returned to the presidential election after the Tripoli Court of Appeal rejected a November 30 ruling by the lower Zawiya court. Let's take our first break. For the love of God, uh, BRB. <laughs> And we're back, and I don't believe in God. But anyway, days before the first round was scheduled to take place, the election was already up in the air, with no official list of candidates presented to the public and no formal campaigning underway. On December 22nd, the Parliament of Libya confirmed the postponement. The chairman of the election committee said, After consulting the technical, judicial, and security reports, we inform you of the impossibility of holding the elections on the date of 24 December 2021 provided for by the electoral law. And in this statement, he didn't give a new date. Foreign Policy summarized that the causes for the delay were that, quote, the process was beleaguered by two interrelated issues, differences over the idea of holding a presidential election in the current context and the resulting failure to reach the required consensus on a framework for elections. The United Kingdom, France, Germany, Italy, and the United States urged Libya to set a new date for the delayed presidential election quickly. The HNEC insisted that the House of Representatives is responsible for setting a new date. The Speaker of the House of Representatives said the election committee responsible for overseeing elections must set a definitive date for postponed presidential and legislative polls by the end of January of 2022. Like, several months ago. The UN Special Advisor on Libya, Stephanie Williams, who has pursued a new election date, told the AP that it was still, quote, "...very reasonable and possible for the country's 2.8 million voters to cast their ballots by June of 2022, which would be in line with the UN-brokered roadmap." On January 23rd of 2022, Interim Prime Minister Abdul Debaba called for a constitution to be established before holding the delayed presidential and parliamentary elections. A month later, on February 22nd, DeBaba announced a plan to hold the elections in June of 2022. He later proposed holding the elections at the end of 2022. So he just keeps on postponing it because why not? You're in power. You don't want to give it up. Sure. In July of 2022, The Prime Minister, the interim Prime Minister, Abdul Hamid Bayba, made an unexpected alliance with his former enemy, the eastern warlord, renegade general Khalifa Haftar, in a bid to cement a fragile ceasefire and end a month-long oil blockade. Less than three years ago, Haftar's self-styled Libyan National Army besieged Tripoli in a failed attempt to capture the capital. But in this uh, unexpected alliance, in a highly symbolic gesture, the Libyan National Army's chief of staff, El nadouri was invited to visit the city for talks. The prospect of Dubaiba and Haftar burying their differences was really welcomed by the UN as it was struggling to maintain a ceasefire that had ended a previous six-year civil war in 2020. However, barely a month later, after this extended reconciliation, supposedly, On August 27th of this year, deadly clashes occurred in Libya's capital between militias backed by its two rival administrations, portending to a return to violence amid a long political stalemate. In these clashes, at least 23 people were killed and more than 140 people were wounded in the fighting, according to the health ministry. Six hospitals were hit and ambulances were unable to reach areas affected by the clashes, and the ministry said that these effectively are war crimes and they condemn these actions. The escalation threatens to shatter the relative calm, relative calm, take that with a grain of salt, whatever you want that to mean, Libya has had for most of the past two years. As we know, after listening to me talking for all these millions of minutes, Libya was sent into chaos after a NATO-backed uprising that toppled and killed longtime autocrat Muammar Gaddafi in 2011. Obviously, Gaddafi was also bad. (laughs) Not saying that. But if things were already chaotic during Gaddafi and before Gaddafi, taking him out in the way that he was taken out only led to more chaos. So the instability only got worse.
0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year.
1: Clashes that are happening pitted the Tripoli Revolutionaries Brigade Militia, led by Hathoum Tajouri against another militia allied with Abdel Ghani El kilki who was an infamous warlord known as Ghaniwa. This is according to local media. Prime Minister Dubeba's government, which is based in Tripoli, claims that the clashes broke out when one militia fired at another. The fighting, however, is highly likely part of an ongoing power struggle between Interim PM Dubeba and his rival Prime Minister, Fatih Bashara, who is operating from the coast city of Sirta. Both Dubaiba and Bashara are backed by militias, and the latter was mobilizing in recent weeks to try to enter Tripoli to dislodge his rival. An attempt in May by Bashaka to install his government in Tripoli triggered clashes that ended with his withdrawal from the capital. The U.S. ambassador to Libya, Richard Norland, urged for de-escalation before quote things get worse and he also urged for the Libyan parties to agree on an early date for elections. Prime Minister debeba's hold on power is very precarious. In July of this year protests erupted in nine cities against corruption and power cuts. debeba was originally installed again as a temporary prime minister to run the country until the elections were due last December but he hasn't given up that power because power Is a disease, and when those elections were canceled amid constitutional arguments, he obviously decided to stay in power. And this is despite Libya's parliament demanding that he step down. So, as we've learned in this brief history of this country, Libya has been wracked with internal divisions and intermittent civil war conflict since the armed uprising of 2011 of the longtime dictator Gaddafi. And while international efforts to bring rival administrations together in a unity government succeeded in early 2021, this only created a fragile peace. The proliferation of weapons and autonomous militias, flourishing criminal networks, the interference of regional powers, and the presence of extremist groups have all contributed to the country's persistent lack of physical security. More than a decade of violence has displaced hundreds of thousands of people, and human rights conditions have steadily deteriorated. The ceasefire I mentioned earlier was due to uh, an occurrence in 2016 when forces loyal to Khalifa el ghawil attempted a coup d'etat against Fayez al-Sarraj and the Presidential Council of the GNA. So in 2020, the Joint Libyan Military Commission that represented the LNA and the GNA, they reached a permanent ceasefire agreement in all areas of Libya. The agreement was effective immediately, and it required that all foreign fighters leave Libya within three months while a joint police force would patrol disputed areas. And the first commercial flight between Tripoli and Benghazi took place that same day. On March 10th 2021, an interim unity government was formed, and it was slated to be in power, as we know, until the presidential election, but it's still in power now. So, When when I'm talking about those peaceful quote unquote two years, I'm talking about this time between this permanent ceasefire in 2020 and now. And despite improvements following the ceasefire that was brokered in October of 2020, political and military violence has remained common. Human rights violations are widespread, and this includes unlawful killings, enforced disappearances, and arbitrary detentions. These conditions are further affected by the presence of various armed groups, thousands of foreign mercenaries, a large migrant population, and mass internal displacement. And so Libya has been in a tumultuous state since the start of the Arab Spring-related Libyan crisis of 2011. The crisis resulted in the collapse of the Libyan Arab Jamharia and the killing of Muammar Gaddafi amidst the first civil war of Libya and the foreign military intervention. The crisis was deepened by the factional violence in the aftermath of the First Civil War, and this resulted in the outbreak of the Second Civil War that happened in 2014. The control over the country is currently split between the House of Representatives in Tobruk and the Government of National Unity in Tripoli, and their respective supporters, as well as various jihadist groups and tribal elements controlling parts of the country. And as we've learned, the violent protests are continuing to go on today and the country remains in a state of unrest, to say the least. But I think this information is a good foundation to serve as a starting point if we talk about Libya going forward, to really understand how this country came to be so unstable, because like most countries that are experiencing upheaval, it's usually because of a lot of Different powers vying for control, international powers intervening, and just a lot of clusterfucky stuff that results in clusterfuckiness. So um, that's where we're going to end for today. I hope this was informative and I uh, hope you appreciate some of the history. I definitely do. So yeah, uh, until next time, go drink some water and stay hydrated and um, go pet a dog. Go. could happen here is a production of cool zone media for more podcasts from cool zone media visit our website coolzonemedia.com or check us out on the iHeartRadio radio app apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts you can find sources for it could happen
0: here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources thanks for listening happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride and the queer community all year
3: Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products.